0: Okay, so we're starting um, a new shir, uh, a new, year, a new uh, course, if you'll call Semester. it. Semester. <laughs> course. And um, I have to say it's actually um, exciting for me as well. It's the first time I'm teaching this course at all. Um, and therefore, right at the beginning, I want to thank someone who helped me with it uh, tremendously, and that's Rabbi Friedman from Sfas. I don't know if anybody knows him, but he is sort of an expert in this in this idea, and we spent a lot of time in the summer going over Going over it, and he shared with me all of his classes and his uh, sheets. And I told him that I have a class in Chicago, a woman's Monday night class that i been preparing for. And we spent a lot of time in the summer on it. So um, nice. here it goes. So I want to thank him publicly, Rebbe Leo Friedman from Sfas. Um, so we're going to talk about the thirteen principles of faith, Yud uh, Gimel Ikre, Emuna. We said it's going to be eight classes. Uh, the more I'm reading about it, I have a hunch it's going to be more than that. But uh, we'll start Three years? with. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, definitely amir HaShem um, by Pesach. Um, so, as you know, one of the basics of Yiddishkeit is Amunah, it's faith, or maybe it's the basic of Yiddishkeit, the faith that we have, and that's really deeply in our neshama. But what exactly are the principles of our faith? What are the basics of our Amuna that a Yid has to believe in? And Rambam, who is so you know, definitely one of the greatest um, authorities, or maybe the greatest Jewish authority that ever lived about halacha. And the Rambam did a lot of tremendous things for halacha. He's the only one who codified all of the halachas in one book. Um, The Rambam is perhaps most known or his magnum opus is the Mishnah Torah, 14 volumes, and that's where he has all of the halachas of the Torah. Um, The Rambam is the first one, and the only one who wrote a sefer, a compendium of all of the lachas of the Torah, and especially in Chabad, it's a household name, in the last 30 years, you know, once the Rebbe, or more than that now, once the Rebbe um, began the idea of learning Rambam every day. But the Rambam wrote other great books as well. Rambam is most known for three great works. Again, the first one I mentioned already is the Mishnah Torah, which is his book of Halacha, 14 volumes. The, other, the first great work the Rambam wrote in Torah was a pirush, a commentary to the entire Mishnah. You know, the Mishnah, Mishnayis, written by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, is the first book of the oral tradition. And the Rambam, when he was a young man, wrote a pirush to Mishnahis. Um That's the, actually the first book that made him famous amongst the Jewish people. And then afterward, he wrote one other famous work in Halacha or in Torah, and that's called the Mora Nevuchim, right? The Guide to the Perplexed, and that was his more philosophical work. So these are the Rambam's three primary works in Torah. Again, the Mishnah Torah, the Pirush HaMishnah, and the Mora Nevuchim. Now, in the first of his works, which is the Pirush HaMishnah, the Pirush HaMishnais, his commentary to Mishnais, so he has. A commentary, a run-on commentary throughout all the six books of Mishnah, but in addition to that, he also has certain hakdamos introductions that he writes in certain areas of Mishnah. Those hakdamas became very famous because in those hakdamas and in those introductions that he writes um, in different areas of Mishnah is where he talks about general areas of Torah and general areas of Halacha and Jewish philosophy. In fact. There are some, there's you can get a book of just the Hakdamos, all of the introductions of the Rambam. Now, in the in one of those Hakdamos, in one of those introductions, he has an introduction to I'm not being a little bit detailed, but I just want to give you the sources. So the one of the tractates in Mishnah is called Sanhedrin. It's a tractate in Mishnah, it's a Mishnah in Talmud called Sanhedrin. The eleventh chapter of Sanhedrin is a pretty famous chapter. It's called Perik Chalik. And the reason it's called the chapter of Chelek is because it begins with a very famous Mishnah, which is, Kol Yisrael Yashlehem La Olam Haba. That's a Mishnah that will say, among others, will say that um, when we do Pirkei Avos. Right? When we do Pirkei Avos, we'll begin with the Mishnah, Kol Yisrael, all Jews, Yashlehem Chelek, have a portion to Olam Haba, Shanemar, as it says, etc., etc., that is the opener of the 11th chapter of Sanhedrin. Okay? That chapter of Sanhedrin in Talmud is the chapter that talks about Mashiach more than any other chapter in the Talmud. It's because it talks about Olam Haba and Mashiach and Chia HaMesim. That's all within the 11th and final chapter of the Tractate Sanhedrin. So, the Rambam wrote a Hakdama. he wrote an introduction to that perik. The Hakdama to perik Chilek. Am I being clear so far? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm just narrowing, right? We said the Raman wrote the Mishnah Torah, he wrote the Piresh Mishnah, he wrote the Mora Now we zoomed in to the, the Purish to Mishnah, to the Hakdama, the introduction he wrote, to the 11th chapter in Sanhedrin, called Perik Chilek. Okay, now, in that Hakdama, he discusses a number of things. But perhaps the most famous thing and really one of the most famous things the Rambam ever wrote was that in this um, introduction, he says that I believe if you learn the entire Torah and you learn about all the Amunah that we have, it boils down to 13 principles of faith. And he is the first one who came up with that magical number of 13 principles of faith. And as we'll go through them, you're going to recognize these principles. These these are concepts that they're not new to the Rambam. The Rambam is not the one who uh, created these principles of faith. But to codify them, to say that there's 13 of them, and these are the 13, and they're based on these and these verses, this was one of the great chidushim, one of the great um, novelties that Rambam wrote, and he wrote it in that introduction to Perekhelech, the 13 principles of faith. Now, as any uh, area and Torah, it was challenged. And it was challenged by other Torah greats, and we're going to discuss that. Um, we'll discuss the back and forth. They weren't really challenging the concepts, but the fact that there's 13 principles of faith, and these are the 13 principles, you have to remember, Torah was around a lot before the Rambam. The Rambam is about a thousand years ago. So the Rambam is writing this you know, more than uh, more than 2,000 years after the giving of Torah. And until he wrote that, no one ever heard of 13 principles of faith. So the Rambam, in his greatness and his brilliance and so on, was able to say, okay, he took it all together, there's 13 principles. So what what we're going to do in this class, Amir Tzah is we're going to study the 13 principles and we're going to analyze them and give different debates about them and the Hasidic perspective to them. That's what we're going to do throughout the course of Amir Sahashem. What we're going to begin with, what I want to do tonight, and I hope to cover it tonight, is go through the basic 13 principles. Just before we start breaking them down one by one, what are the 13 principles according to Rambam and what is the source that he quotes for each one of those principles? And then, time allowing tonight, we'll see if we finish that, then we'll we'll, uh, start touching on other points and perhaps some of the debates about some of them. Okay? So we're going to start, and I I, uh, printed out for myself over here, just going through the basics of the 13 principles, the way the Rambam writes it in that introduction. Together with the source that he gives for each one of them. So, number one, the first principle he writes is the fact that Hashem exists. The Mitsuus, the existence of Hashem. But not just that he exists, but that he is the Shleimus, the most complete of all existence. Shleimus Hamitsius. And the way he explains it is to me that his existence is not dependent on any other existence. But every other existence is dependent on his existence. In simple words, and as he explains, he says, um, "If the entire world was to disappear, Hashem wouldn't disappear, because his dependence is not I'm sorry, his existence is not dependent on anything else. So everything can disappear. Hashem is still here. Were Hashem to disappear, I don't even know if chas v'shalom is the right thing over here. Then, then, there's not, then there isn't anything. Because everything is totally dependent on his existence. That is, says Rambam, principle number one of faith, of Yiddishkeit. That Hashem is not just a existence, but the primary and ultimate, uh, ultimate existence. And everything else is always dependent on his being there. Versus, And he is not dependent on anything else. Well, oh, I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a moment. In, not in the Rambam's writings. The Rambam just writes them as principles of faith. I should have mentioned earlier, thank you for pointing out, that the Rambam's principles are so accepted that it was that um, a poem was written of the 13 animamins. Animamin, and the 13 animamins followed the Rambam's 13 principles of faith. However, important to note, the Rambam did not write that poem. The animamin poem, we don't know who wrote it. Um, it's been written sometime within the last thousand years. It's so accepted that many, many people say it every day as part of the davening. It's not in the Chabad Siddur, for reasons that are beyond the scope of this talk, but um, we'll get to it. But it is very accepted in Klal Yisrael. So the Animamins is a poem written based on the Rambam's 13 Principles of it. Okay? Okay. What is the source of the concept, of that concept of Amunah in the Torah? Like. So I mean, it sort of says everywhere, but where does it? Where did Hashem Anochi say an- you should know that I am existence exactly? Anochi Hashem Elokecha. The first three words that Hashem ever told us, um, ever told anyone, as far as the world is concerned, um, was by matan Torah when Hashem reveals Himself to the Jewish people at Sinai, 3,300 years ago and changed. And Hashem, the first, those, those first words are, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am your God. When he said that, he was giving us a mitzvah. And the mitzvah is to know that he is. And as Rambam explains, not just that he is just like I am, just like you are, but that he is, as we said, in this totally independent way. That is rule or, or um, article number one, or principle number one of faith. Again, we're going to come back to this and we're going to discuss each one in detail. But now as we go through, that is number one. Okay, number two, says Rambam, is that that existence, which is called Hashem, is one. The oneness of Hashem. What what does that mean that Hashem is one? Why, why, Why would there be two? Says Rambam, he explains. When we talk about the oneness of Hashem, what we're really saying is that Hashem is not an existence like all existences that we know that are made up of parts. Take, for example, ourselves. We, each person around the table is one person. But that one person is made up of a number of parts that can be separated. Both physically as well as spiritually. Physically, our body is made up of different parts. And obviously we're healthy when they're all sticking together. But every body can be separated. But not just the body, our soul is made up of parts. We have our seichel, we have our midos, we have our intellect, we have our understanding, we have our speech, we have our power of sight. We're really... Something that's put together, the Hebrew word for that is murkav. Murkav, um, I don't know the exact translation for that, but that is when something is put together of many different parts and facets.
1: Is that like the root like, well, from Merkava?
0: Is the word murkav connected from Merkava? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. does
1: uh, doesn't, is, is it's like from a chariot. Yeah, Kuff. it's a writer, but, and this is from the word
0: of the to put together, to bring together, right? To assemble. So Rambam says that Hashem's oneness is not a oneness that we can really fathom, because we really don't know what oneness means. Whenever we think of things, we think about all the different parts that make it up. We think of a person, we think about all the aspects of that person, all the facets of that person. Everything we think of is made up. Everything that we know in this world is really made up of elements. So everything we look at and know is made up of things. Says Rambam, but Hashem is not made up of anything. And that is the second principle of faith, is that Hashem is echod, is one, with a oneness that's beyond any oneness that we can fathom. Okay? What's the source for that in the Torah? And that is, of course, the statement of faith of Kal Yisrael forever, since the beginning, um, that our belief in Hashem is in the oneness of Hashem. Now, when we get back to this on our second time around, one can wonder, why is that so important? Like, what's wrong if he's made up of parts? But we're not going there now. So principle of faith number two is not only that Hashem exists and that his existence is the ultimate existence, upon which everything else is dependent, but more so that he is and exists in a way of perfect oneness, not put together, not made up of parts. That is Article 2, and that's based on the Shema. Number 3. Says Rambam, that Hashem doesn't have a body, is not made up of anything physical. We tend automatically to always connect with the physical, because we are physical. So whenever we think of something, we try to give it some type of form. And Hashem is beyond any physical form. Um, He writes, He doesn't have a body, and therefore He doesn't have anything that comes from the body. We think of movement, so we think about physical movement. We think about getting tired, and then we need rest. We think about where I am and where I am not. So I'm here, and therefore I'm not there. All of that is because we're always thinking about matter and the body of something. And Hashem doesn't have a guf, doesn't have any form of body. And the Rambam counts that as a principle of faith. One day we'll get to it and we'll see this was an area of great debate amongst early authorities um, and others questioned that article of faith. But Rambam says it as a fact, as principle of faith number three, that he doesn't have a guf. Or anything again that comes from having a goof, from having a body. So you
1: say it doesn't have any of the needs of a goof. Right. So when we say like, uh, you know, on um, the seventh day rested.
0: Exactly. And so there's many verses yeah. that make it sound like Hashem does have some form of goof or some of the effects of a goof, right? When it's resting, sometimes it says Hashem got angry, and sometimes it says He looked and He heard. There's a lot of psukim that indicate some type of a spiritual body. So we, uh,
1: sh- so we should understand. Right. right.
0: So that's what. So Rambam says all of those are only metaphors in order to give us some way of understanding what's going on. We're using body metaphors because that's what we relate with. But as I al- already said, this is going to be challenged by some because of these psukim, and we'll 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 have that debate here. We'll we'll talk about that. Okay. But. That- There's a a lot of different things that say That seem to attribute some level of physical Or metaphysical behaviors or performances And that is where this becomes an issue But Rambam is very adamant That whenever you see such a verse you have to understand It's merely a metaphor in order to give us the ability to understand We can only understand things based on the way we are So if we just say things that we don't know what they look like or, or mean It wouldn't mean anything to us so that is Rambam's opinion, and it's ultimately the accepted opinion. Um, and that's what he says. Now, where would that be sourced in the Torah? Right? Remember, so far, the Rambam was always bringing a source in the Torah, and he brings an interesting Pasuk, and that is in the Torah portion of V'eschanon. Um, what's unique about the Torah portion of VaEschanon is that that's the time when um, the, Aser, the Matan Torah is described. Right? Um, you'll remember that the giving of Torah is described in the Torah twice. Once in the Torah portion of Yisro, when it actually happened, and the second time in the Torah portion of Va'eschanan, when Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people about the whole story of Matan Torah. So there, when Moshe is discussing Matan Torah, he says a pasuk, and I just had the quote, he says, Kilo Remember, when you saw Hashem, you didn't see any figure. There's no figure there. There There's no picture. You didn't see. You heard the Anochi Hashem Elokecha, and you saw thunder and you saw lightning, and all you know was an amazing thing. But remember, you never saw a figure of Hashem. Says Rambam, why was Moshe Rabbeinu making that point? So that we should always remember that Hashem doesn't have any type of body or any type of bodily function or the effect of a body. So that is the pasuk. The Rambam quotes as the source for principle of faith number three. You say
1: that pasuk
0: again. Kilo reisem kol temuna. You did not see any picture or any form when by Matan Torah. If you want to write down chapter and verse, it is in Chumash Devarim, Parshas Ve'Eschanon, chapter four, pasuk fifteen.
1: Saw Hashem, but didn't
0: see any figure. We saw thunder and lightning, we heard Anochi Hashem alakecha, we saw a lot of fire, but there was no figure talking. And the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was telling that, says Rambam, is to sort of tell us, remember, Hashem doesn't have a figure. So as much as you use it, we use our imaginations and we come up with all different types of things, but that is principle number three of Rambam.
1: Hashem does appear to Nevi, Aminatimunah, And what is that? Okay, again,
0: to make it just like he he would be described that way. Those are typically, those are malachim. When Hashem appears to Naveem, it's through malachim, as we'll see soon, and there he's using Timunah. When they're seeing different figures, that's different types of malachim that are um, go-betweens, if you will, between Hashem and the Naveem. We'll see this soon, actually. So, what do we have so far? Number one, existence. Number two, oneness. And number three is lack of body, or lack of anything physical. Okay, number four. Principle of faith number four says the Ramam is that Hashem is a kadmon. What does a kadmon mean? the The first. The ultimate first. And the ultimate first, he says, means because there's nothing before Him. He always was. There is no other kadmon. Everything else came... What's the word? Kadmon. The Kedem, which means before, not like Adam. the not like the grape juice. Um, <laughs> kedem means the first. Kadmon. Kodem in Hebrew is before. So Kadmon means. Adam Adam kod,
1: uh, k- kadmon. There is a
0: concept called Adam Kadmon. Adam. Right. That's a that's a primordial man. That's more of a Kabbalistic concept. But that's also Kadmon. Anything says Rambam started at some point. Physical beings and spiritual beings, Malachim. Anything started at some point. It started. Anything that once started is not a kadmon, because there was a time when it wasn't. Hashem, there never was a time when he wasn't. And therefore, he's the ultimate kadmon. As he writes, and this is his words, kadmon uh, behechlet. He's the ultimate first. V'chol nimsa zulaso, anything else that there is, bilti kadmon be'erko love. Anything else is not the first in relation to Him, because everything came from Him. So therefore, Article Four says Rambam is that Hashem always was; there never was a time when He wasn't, and therefore He is the ultimate first. If He
1: always was, why would it use the word first? In the first time? for a moment.
0: Okay, that, that's a good point. Because no, you're saying first sounds like there's a second. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know if there's a word for before that. But the, the, the concept of kadmon means that no matter when he was there. That's what kadmon really means. Okay. Um, where is that indicated in the Torah? That's an in- interesting one. Sort of, we sort of always know that. Like I think most of these principles of faith are not news to anyone. But where did you get that from? Like Which Pesach did it say that? And it's an interesting one, not even a famous one. But um, in the Torah reading of the Zos HaBracha that we just read on Simcha's Torah, um, in fact, the very last Aliyah of the Torah, which when they call up the Chasan Torah or the Chasanah Torah, starts with the words, Me'ona Elokei Kedem. That the skies are the home for Hashem, who is called Kedem. That word Kedem, which is the word Kadmo, it's the same word, says, says Rambam, that's where it says it in the Torah. In those words, which is it's interesting that it's almost the last, the very last part of the Torah. There it calls Hashem for the first time in the Torah, Elokei Kedem, the Hashem that was always, that Kadmon. Kadmo, sometimes it's called Kadmono Shel Olam, and that says Rambam is the source for this fourth of the principles of faith, that Hashem is the Kadmon, the ultimate first step where everything comes off.
1: You said this.
0: Yeah, Ma'ona Eloke Kedem. Yes, Ma'ona Eloke Kedem. And that's the beginning of the last Aliyah of the Torah, which we read just last week on Simcha's Torah. Number five. Number five is that this Hashem that we've heard about in these four principles, the ultimate existence and the one whose ultimate oneness and has no body and is the ultimate first, that this Hashem is the one who is worthy that we should serve him. It's, it's befitting that he, we serve him. <inaudible> and not to serve anyone or anything else. This, again, this oneness of Hashem, this Hashem who is one, and who has no body, and who always was, is the one whom we should serve to the detriment of anything. Nothing else should ever be served. And, but he doesn't just say that. He actually very beautifully writes, we should serve him. Legadlo is to uh, always talk about his greatness. Lo to let other know of his greatness. to fulfill his mitzvos. Velo laaf echad acher and not to anyone else. And this is principle number five: the concept that we are meant to serve Hashem. Hashem is not just this, you know, one like picture. Okay, there's the super creator. And that's it. No, there's a super creator and we are meant to serve him and to to, um, not just ourselves, but to see that others serve him. And that's um, part of of his being a creator, that we are his servants. And then he adds, he says something interesting. He says, why should we not serve anything else? Says Rambam. Because everything else was created to be who they are. They're not individually responsible for who they are and they don't deserve to be specially praised for who they are, they were created with their gifts that Hashem gave them. Hashem is the only one who is worthy because He is who He is, He not, be, not because someone made Him to be who He is. And that's what he writes, Shekulam Mutbaim, Ever, anything else, may, may, even if it's the greatest angels, are created with their characteristics in order to be who they are, and therefore are not beings that we should in any way serve. And then he adds, not only should we not serve any other creation, we also shouldn't serve them in order that they should connect us to Hashem. Because, and here is actually where the earliest form of idolatry came to the world, right? The first idolatry started when idolatry said, you know, of course God created the world, but the sun and the moon, let's serve them because God made them great or because bring is closer to God. So here Rambam says in this principle, not only should we not be serving anything else as independent deities, we shouldn't serve anything else as a intermediary between us and Hashem either. And all of that, the Rambam rolls into this uh, fifth of the principles.
1: What does it mean to serve? What op- does it mean
0: on a simple level, to listen to what he tells us to do. To feel subservient to him, to recognize that he is our master and we're there to serve him. On a, simple, so, on a simple level, if he tells me what to do. To
1: serve somebody else in order to get closer to Hashem.
0: Exactly, exactly. To serve someone else in order to get closer to Hashem is a problem. And this was always one of the big things of non Hasidim with Hasidim. They said this. The um, the emphasis placed on a and, and getting close to a tzaddik and doing what the tzaddik says. Doesn't that somehow connect to what the Rambam right. seems to be saying that that's an issue? And bli Nether I intend to discuss that at length when we get to that that's point. Why I guess what that means. Exactly. Yeah. So we are we we are going to discuss that bli nether is but very in interesting. Chasam Sofer and it says so on.
1: Saying in and Rashi says, how can you, how can you connect to Hashem if he's fire? So, so why would, right. why, so why do they
0: have against Well, them? so the question is how that concept fits with this. The Rambam seems to make it very clear. Ramam Rambam says we shouldn't be serving anything as an intermediary to connect to Hashem. So you're saying, but there are sources that you should um, connect to Hashem through tzaddikim. How to reconcile these two. That's a question that we're going to leave for a later date. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we can wait till then. I but in R' session we're going to deal with that then. It's a very there's swarm written on it, and the you know it's great great early swarm on it.
1: What yeah. about the concept of a Melutz Yosher?
0: That falls into the same question. Same question. When we have, we ask people to give us a bracha and we ask people to daven for us. All or of that. We all do that, and all of today by now, all of Klal Yisrael does that. Who doesn't go to Kibrit Tzadikim? It used to be more of a Hasidic concept as something that became the concept of Klal Yisrael. Again, bli neder, we will spend time on that when we discuss this principle specifically. But all of that is principle five. So, now, this, these are the first five principles. You'll notice now a departure. These five are all focused on Hashem. Thank you. Great question. Says no. This is a great question, and you're going to hear a different type of answer. You're going to hear a different type of answer than the other. Each one of the first four Rambam wrote a very specific pasuk, and this one he says, "What's the source?" "Rov haTorah mazheres alov." He says this is all over the Torah. The concept of idolatry and Hashem and belief in Hashem and not serving this, he says, is hundreds of times in the Torah and therefore Rambam says there's no one verse that says it more than any other. Again, that's a quote from Rambam. Rov haTorah mazheres al-alav. This is something that wherever you look in the Torah you're going to find that our relationship is with Hashem himself and we should not be serving the sun or the moon or any other type of intermediaries that is throughout the Torah. And that's what Rambam writes. So, this is the end of the first five principles. Of course, these five principles were devoted to Hashem. Five different angles or aspects about Hashem. And again, I'm just going to repeat them, just giving them one word for each. The existence of Hashem. The oneness of Hashem. Lack of any form of body of Hashem. The, um, for lack of a better word, the firstness of Hashem, but that's a bad word. Uh, The originality, the fact that Hashem is the original existence. And finally, that Hashem is Hashem, we should be serving Hashem and Hashem is the only one who we should serve in any form those are the first five principles that are devoted to Hashem okay then we move on to principle number six principle number six is the concept of Nivua, which is prophecy and pro- the fact that there is prophecy and the fact that Hashem gives people that power of prophecy, that people can be vehicles to give us over the word of Hashem, says Rambam, is a principle of our faith. That we have to believe that there are people who who are able to reach that level, that Hashem is able to speak to us through them. And here, Rambam says, that I'm not going to get into it at length here, because it's a very complicated concept to explain how it works how could it be that the human being should be at that level where he becomes a vessel through which Hashem can speak um, he says I'm not going to talk about it at length for now I just believe that it's one of the uh, principles of faith interestingly in a letter that, that the Rambam wrote elsewhere he wrote one of the great people of his time was a person I don't know that we know a lot about him but his name was Ravchisdoi Halevi And the Rambam, we have um, correspondence between Rambam and him. This is 900 years ago. And the Rambam writes, says something interesting. He says, to try to explain the concept of Nevuah with Seichel is impossible because Nevuah is higher than Seichel. He says the concept of prophecy is something beyond, it's not something that if you're smart enough, you can be a prophet. Prophecy is a level of connection and union to Hashem that's beyond the faculty of intellect. And therefore, Rambam writes in his beautiful way, he says, to try to explain prophecy through intellect is like trying to put all the waters of the world into one cup. The cup can't hold it. And intellect can't hold fully, can't grasp the extent of what Nivua is. That's what Rambam wrote in that letter. But here in the in the Ikrim, in the principles, he just says he's not going to talk about it at length. This what about
1: part. the Navi? Can he understand it? Oh,
0: that's a good question. Good question. Perhaps that will be somewhat answered in the next principle as we'll see. Um, that is a good question. Um, what is the source for prophecy? And again here, Rambam is not going to bring one individual pasuk. He says, I'm quoting, Mikroi HaTayra he says, when you read the Torah, the Torah tells us about nevuah. It tells us about Moshe, and it tells us about Miriam, and it tells us about Ara. And you know, it tells us about the naviim who Hashem spoke through them. And that alone is where Torah is telling us, that nevuah is a principle of our faith and a way that Hashem communicates Lebnei Odom to regular people. So, again, here Rambam didn't give a specific pasuk, a specific verse, rather said it's a general concept that reappears in the Torah a number of times, but Rambam does count that as one of the principles of faith, principle number six. Okay, principle number seven. And interestingly, this one, the Rambam really goes to bat, and this is the one he spends most, gives most time for, and that is the Nivua of Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, the, the principle number six was that there's a concept called prophecy. But then he says, and then there is the prophet Moshe Rabbeinu who is the father of all Navim, both those who came before him and both those who came after him, and he was able to connect to Hashem, and he's able to be a navi in a way that was unsurpassed before or after forever. But he's Moshe, Moshe, come Moshe. But that doesn't say in, in, wait, in, doesn't say one, in right. It Doesn't say nevuah. It doesn't bonum say. Bonum? Yeah, yeah. And the way he gave, like, it, explained it. The yeah, there is a there is a quote that's written on the Rambam's gravesite where it says, "From Moshe Rabbeinu till Moshe the Rambam, no one else rose like them." But it doesn't say in what aspect. I mean, obviously, he's one of the greatest Torah teachers of all time. It doesn't talk about nevuah. Even when it comes to Mashiach, and the Rambam is going to describe Mashiach, Rambam says Mashiach is the greater, the greatest chacham that I ever lived. That
1: about how he describes I'm sorry. I wish we could learn about that.
0: We'll, we'll get to that.
1: I'm <laughs> so So
0: the, the Rambam writes about Mashiach, He says he's the greatest. He's the greatest chacham that ever lived, and the greatest navi, second to Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? When it comes to nevuah, at least in the Rambam's in the Rambam's code, nevuah is Moshe Rabbeinu is the ultimate nevuah, and he's the one who Hashem gave us the entire Torah through. So Rambam is very clear about that. And then he says. He says, it's amazing, this is his words. I was reading it earlier. He says, really, I would like to properly explain the nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu and how that's higher than any form of connection to Hashem. But in order to do that, I would have to explain to you all the levels of all the angels and all the different types of souls and their levels. And even if I would do this in the most concise manner possible, it would take me 100 pages. This is the Rambam. That's great. He says, Even even if I want to give it over in the extreme Kitsur, to go through all the steps, in order to understand Moshe Rabbeinu, it would take me me me'a dafim. A hundred pages. Therefore, it says, Rambam, I'm going to leave this for elsewhere. I'm going to write it somewhere. He says, Either in the book of Droshos that I plan on writing, or the book that I'm planning on writing, and Nevuah that I already started writing, or I'll write another book on this. <laughs> now, it, it, ultimately, so the Ramam clearly writes that he's been—he was writing other books, but he never finished those books. He was also and adapted. He, well, the Ramam was his time. We don't—we have no way of understanding how he wrote the amount that he wrote. But when he wrote his next book, which is the Mora Nevuchim, the Guide that Reflects, there in his introduction, he writes about these other books that he's writing about Nevuah and so on, and he says he's just including them into the Mora Nevuchim. So he never ended up writing that book on Nevuah or that book on uh, Drushos, but he says that he included most of those concepts in the Moran Um But anyways, back here he says, I'm going to leave it for elsewhere. I'm not going to talk to you about exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah is, again, which necessitates explaining all the other Nebuchim and all the malach and then all the Neshamas. And therefore he says, well, we'll leave that for another time. So, but what was so great and special about Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah that set it apart from all the other Nebuchimah? Says the Rambam, Four points. And this is even though he says, I'm not going to talk long, but here he says, there's four points to remember to differentiate and distinguish between Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah and the nevuah of all the other nevi'im. Remember, we had many nevi'im throughout the Torah and the nevi'im. We had those hundreds of years of nevi'im. Um, so, what what are the four differentiating factors? Says Rambam A all the other Nevi'im, Hashem spoke to them through an intermediary. That's what I said earlier. A Malach of one form or another. There's many different forms of Malachim and Malachim can take different forms and there's different levels of Malachim. But any nevuah that was given to any of the Nevi'im, any of the prophets, says Rambam, came through an emtsai. Came through some, the first one. But to Moshe Rabbeinu, says Rambam, Hashem spoke directly and there was no ensai there was no um, intermediary and which verse indicates that so we're in the torah does the torah really tell us about the greatness of moshe's nevuah when it was challenged who challenged moshe's nevuah no not korah someone a good friend miriam right when miriam you know when miriam and aaron come to moshe and they say you know why did you separate from Sipporah? we're also navim right this is in the torah portion of balakha and that's when Hashem goes to bat for Moshe Rabenu, and Hashem says, "No, no. He says you're a navi, but not like Moshe." And there Hashem says, "Pe el pe adaber bo." I talk to him face to face. It's a different, it's a different league. You no, know, you can't. You're a navi. Miriam was a navi, and Aaron was a navi, but it's not like Moshe. Pe el pe, says, "I talk to him face to face. There's no one in between." So that's number one, says Rambam. Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah was without any type of intermediary versus all the other Neviim. Okay, point two. All other Neviim, Hashem appeared to them either when they were sleeping or even if they were awake, they became very drowsy and they sort of went into some type of a trance and they said Nevu. Moshe Rabbeinu, he was, you know, he was just regular. He was regular and he was awake and he was fully awake with all his faculties and Hashem spoke through him. And that's a big difference, says Rambam. Um, and that's why the nevuah of all the other nevim is called in Hebrew, a like a vision or a mar'eh. Also a vision, a sight, something that they saw somewhere in their mind or in their heart or in their dream or in a trance. Chazon, Chazon right? Chazon Yeshayo. But Moshe Bainu wasn't that way. And... I'm sorry? It will seem not, uh, the Rambam says the Moshe Rabin is the only one that says that like kind of Well, th- many times you find it to be about Yomar HaShem. It doesn't say though how that conversation played itself out. No, just as HaShem uh, transmitted the information, but exactly how, it doesn't say every time how. Um, and again, what's the source for that? Those same psukim between HaShem and Miriam. Um, HaShem tells Miriam, Im yiyan neviachem bimaret you're neviim, but I, it's with a vision. Lo of Avdi Moshe. Moshe is not with a vision. Moshe, I talk with. It's a whole different ballgame. So that's the second difference. The first one was no intermediary. The second is it's not a vision. It's Hashem talking directly. Are
1: there, there neviim today?
0: That's a very good question. In general, the tkufa of neviim stopped. There was, there was there was for a thousand years. There was just like neviim. There was like hundreds of neviim throughout all the neviim. Um, the tekufa of Nevi'im stopped with Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi at the end of the second base HaMikdash. However, on an um, individual basis, there could be great tzaddikim that could attain that level as well. Ramam doesn't indicate at all that there's any um, limit on a time when there can't be enough. In fact, the Rambam writes elsewhere that before Mashiach comes, then there will be a resur- resurgence of some so. like, I'm sorry? When yes, were of it all yes, cases. yes, yes. A whole bunch of Navi Shekkers. That was a big thing. Did
1: that he was... know they were faking? In the yes. In the, century, the, the, the... In, faking, in the
0: books, know. yes. Yes, 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 yes. You have visions. Lots of
1: people have visions, right? So I know if they're coming. Mental illness. Okay. Mental
0: illness. Well, <laughs> well. That's a good time. Yeah, I have a lot of students who have but many, many nubilists, specifically middle class. Anyways, um, good question. Good question. But in the books of Navua, in the books of, of the Naviim, it talks about many of the Navi Shekhers and, and there's many many times the Naviim would tell them to go be idolatrous. There was, I mean, if you read the books of Naviim themselves, it's amazing what was going on. You had the great Naviim, and they were challenged by false Naviim, and uh, many of them were very wicked people. Um, is it possible that sometimes they were mistaken themselves? Possibly, I don't know the answer.
1: Can I just ask? We keep saying something, and, and I, without an explanation. But when you talk about, when you speak about um, that all other Navim, other than aside from my my benu, who there there was no intermediary there. What sort of intermediary was there between you have Hashem and you have the prophets?
0: Malachim, different types of Malachim angels that are messengers from Hashem to the prophet. Okay. Let's answer. And malachim have, there's many different types of malachim, many different levels of malachim. But there's some type of a messenger in between. Like we say, you know, by the Pesach Seder we say Hashem took us out of Misrayim himself without any malach. Right? You no, know, because typically Hashem works through Malochim. Mm-hmm. So typically Nivuas through Malachim as well. So
1: a dream
0: would be considered uh, Well like, Raman really he he divides that into two parts. A that there's no intermediary, B there was no dream. But it was seen that in that dream there it was connect, the connection was through a malach. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number three. The third difference between Moshe's Navua and every other Navi is, says Ramba, that every other Navi, when Hashem would speak to them, through the malach, through the intermediary in the dream, that Navi um, they would be weak, weakened, their kochos would they would lose their kochos, sometimes they would fall down. In other words, there was an awe, there was a trepidation. Hashem was revealing something to them. So as great as they were, there was a certain weakness that would befall them. Um,
1: yeah, is one, somebody, one
0: called Right, right, because is they would big fall big down, big big right? Big. And in, in the words of the Rambam, "Bikulam yehlishu kochosehen. Their kohos would weaken, they would lose control of themselves. Yagia alihem mora gadol They would be overtaken with a tremendous awe. V'ilu Moshe Omed al Moshe stood like a regular person. And Hashem spoke with him and through him. Um, and that's obviously a whole different thing. What's the source for that? Very beautiful Pesach. Actually, now we're going to a different Parsha. And that is after the story of the eagle. After the Jewish people made the golden calf, which is the Torah portion of Kisisa, in the book of Shemos. So then it says, you know, first, the Jews are punished and whatever. And finally, Moshe Rabbeinu takes his tent and moves it outside of the encampment. Right? And he, Until the Mishkan is built. Right? There's about a half a year from after the Egel or after Yom Kippur until the Mishkan is built. In that half year, Moshe takes his tent, moves it outside of the encampment, and it says the people would see the Shekhinah, the divine presence, come to the tent and talk to Moshe then the Shekhinah would leave Moshe would come to the people and tell them what Hashem said mm-hmm. but there there's an amazing pasuk in Parshras Kisisa. and there it says let me read it vidiber hashem mm-hmm. el Moshe el k'asher ish el hashem spoke to Moshe face to face like a person speaks with his friend says Rambam, that is indicative of, of the way Moshe's relationship with Hashem was, it was face to face there was no fear there was no mora. it was perfectly natural, and that again becomes number three that sets aside Moshe from all of the other Naveen so
1: when you say that Allah saw the shekhinah go to the tent what did
0: they see? fire, fire, fire cloud okay number four What's the fourth and final difference between Moshe's nevuah and everyone else's nevuah? And this one is no less amazing than the others. All the other Neviim, if they wanted that Hashem should be uh, menabe to them, to tell them nevuah, so they prepared themselves, they got themselves ready, and then they waited. And either Hashem would come, or He wouldn't come. Right? There's no, um, there's no insurance. You no, know, just because I would like to hear something from Hashem. So if I'm a Navi, I got myself ready, I did all the right acts and all of this, and I, I was hoping that I should get a divine revelation. But there was no insurance. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he wanted to ask something, he says, Wait a second, I'm going to talk to Hashem. And Hashem was there waiting. And that's what Rambam says. He says, All the other Navim, they didn't, you know, they tried. And either Hashem did show or it didn't show. Moshe, whenever he wanted, he could talk to Hashem. Where does it say that in the Torah? In the story of Pesach Sheni. When the Jewish people came to Moshe, and this is in the Torah portion of, also, Baaloscha, and the Jewish people came and said, oh, we you know, we were tummy, we were impure, we couldn't bring the car Pesach, and Moshe Rabbeinah famously says, imdu, wait, Eshmaah, I will go here, ma'yitzave Hashem lochem. What Hashem has to answer your question. But Moshe didn't say, wait, and maybe I'll get a message. He says, wait, I'll go ask, and I'll get back to you. What's that? And that, that, says Rambam, is Moshe different than the other Neviim. And then he says something very interesting that I have to admit when I read it today, I don't remember seeing that before. He says, there is a very beautiful Pasuk in the Torah portion of Achari, after is right after the two sons of Aaron. Remember on Rosh Chodesh uh, Nissan, the two sons of Aaron went into the Kodesh Hakadosh and they died there, right? So then there is a special mitzvah. Vaydaber Hashem el Moshe. After the two sons of Aaron died, what did Moshe, what did Hashem tell Moshe? He says, Daber el Aharon, tell Aaron, Achicha your brother. V'al yavo b'chal es el Hakodesh. Tell Aaron, don't go whenever you want to the Kodesh Hakadosh. That's for Yom Kippur. Right and Yom Kippur and also then how you come whatever says the Sifra which is one of the first Medrashim goes back to the time of the Mishnah. Aaron bevalyavo, vein Moshe bevalyavo. Aaron was told you can't come whenever you want. It's got to be the right time. But Moshe can come whenever he wants. Aaron bevalyavo, Moshe bevalyavo. So this Rambam quotes as well. All of this relates to that fourth difference between Moshe and the other prophets. And that is, by Moshe, there was no there's no times. There's no time slots. If Moshe wanted to talk to Hashem, he talked to Hashem. And this is why, for these four reasons, why Moshe as a Navi is set aside from all the other great Navim and Tzaddikim that we have. And that's why Moshe is the one who gives us the Torah. The, the entire Torah that we have from Hashem is from Moshe. Because Moshe was at the ultimate level of Nevuah possible. So again, the four points quickly. Point one is that by Moshe Rabbeinu, there's no intermediary. Point two, by Moshe Rabbeinu, he's awake. There's no trance. There's no vision. Point three, there's no weakness. There's no losing himself. And point four, it's whenever he wants. These are the four distinguishing um, characteristics of Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah in comparison to the other neviim. So all of this together is principle number seven, right? Again, as I told you, principle number seven is the longest of the thirteen, and because the Rama really goes into this, the nevu of Moshe Rabbeini. That's principle number seven. At, what time is it? I thought we were at
1: six. No,
0: that's seven. Seven. no we were seven. Let's let's re- let's, no, with that, let's let's review. Number one, existence. the existence of Hashem. Number two, the oneness of Hashem. Number three. Nobody, no No corporal. That's the word I was looking for. Not corporal. Nobody. Number four, Kadmon, the original existence. Number five, that he is the one who we serve. Number six goes already into Nivua, the concept of Nivua, and number seven, the Nivua of Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. Um, You want to do another one. It's nine o'clock. it's
1: funny. We don't see the greatness of Moshe like in the beginning of his life. He, he's in the palace. He's separated from his mother. You don't see him learning to worry. He's watching the sheep. He's it, it killed an Egyptian. It's like a very, like, it just sort of not the picture. It ordinary. He, yeah, I think it's not a picture of, like, this greatest person that ever lived. It's just...
0: In that part of the story, but then yeah. once you move into the beginning of the C.S. You know, Hashem comes to Moshe and then from there on it's pretty magical. The ultimate so the ultimate miracle be. worker of so what, all time what, what and the one who gives us the third. He was born,
1: the <laughs> line that came with him. There's you know, just to, to touch upon what you just said, um it's interesting I've seen that uh, in stories of the greatest Hasidim who served the Rebbeim in very, very difficult times in Russia through you know people who signed off with their own blood on like you know we will we will fulfill the mission and Mr. Snefesh, and so many did end up being killed senselessly you know horribly um, when you look into who they were you think like the greatest Hasidim, like you imagine them they were in the base rush like mm-hmm. for sure like delving deeply into this they mm-hmm. weren't at all mm-hmm. Hulabba, right. If they, they yearned, they begged. Mm-hmm. They begged for time to just be able to to in normally, to be able to learn normally. They didn't have it. They were serving. It's just right. very interesting.
0: It's right. true. Well, When you read, you're right, when you're reading the Chumash story, you can get that, but if you look a little bit at the Kabbalistic sources, Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama was from a different world altogether. Not even part of our world. Mm, that's and that's why it says it came from the water. The water represents the hidden levels um, according to it says in Kabbalah there's only two neshamas in all of creation that came from that place um, all other neshamas everyone comes from what's called um, or whatever that? Sure. <laughs> someone will never guess and it's not me um, <laughs> <laughs> that is no not Mashiach but someone who we read about in the last week's Torah portion and that's Hanokh, the one who was born and then just mysteriously disappears because the world is not for him So in Kabbalah it says he came from that same place as Moshe Rabbeinu and therefore the world just wasn't a place for him and that's why he disappeared. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu always was difficult for him to talk. So we know because the story with the coals, according to Kabbalah, because talking means relating to this world and he was so not part of this world. His neshama was from such a totally different place that he didn't have that ability of relating. So he was just a borrowed neshama to bring us the Torah and bring us everything that we have. So we'll stop here and we'll continue next week in Hashem, Shem by number eight.
1: Really nice.